For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know, just another night, another Bulls loss. I was hoping I was hoping that today's power would be a little bit more uh, nah, uplifting. Nah. <laughs> yeah, man. Just, they're in a bad way right now. They're in a bad way right now. Teams are, teams are taking their cool off against them. And pushing them to limits that they're not meeting, right? Teams go on a run after you go on a run, game ain't over. And I think the Bulls are trying to figure out, um, one, how to keep teams down while also trying to find their confidence with so many little things happening, resulting in big things. Like tonight, tonight was one of those games, man, where you should have beat the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. After you get beat by 28, by the Milwaukee Bucks. And this is my problem that I've had, especially post-All-Star break. There should be no re-emphasizing how important every game is. There should be no, uh, you know, taking it back to the lab and, you know, pep talks and gut checks and all this other shit that that gets thrown around, cliches. And Zach Levine even said it tonight. The pep talks and all that other stuff is done. You got nine games left. Are you a play-in team or are you a, a top four or five team in the East? This team was number one in the East, what, a couple weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, something like that? 
And while all these other teams are ramping up and getting better, the Bulls are getting hit not only with injury, but also getting hit with adversity that, you know, sometimes you got to, maybe this is like a uh, metaphor for life. And I get in trouble sometimes because I feel this way. Um, but sometimes you just got to fight through some shit, man. You know, I can't, I can't pat teams on the back that play well with their stars out. I can't look at the Memphis Grizzlies and see John Moran sitting on the sideline knowing that Desmond Bain and Steven Adams and all his boy and Jaron Jackson Jr. going to hold it down, right? I can't look at uh, Chris Middleton on the sidelines for the Milwaukee Bucks and know that Giannis Antetokounmpo and Drew Holiday going to hold it down. Oh, by the way, Jordan Nuara is now part of their bench rotation. You know, George Hill hit a couple of shots for you, right? Bobby Portis is doing his thing. Bryn Forbes just got added to the team at the trade deadline. He's playing well for them. I can't look at those teams in the same league and then make excuses for the Bulls. I can't. And as we sit here right now, you know, one, kudos to Io DeSumo. Because at the end of that game tonight, Jose Alvarado, I mean, Jose Alvarado has turned into a professional irritant and is going to, he like the Puerto Rican Pat Beverly right now. You know, and and, and Jesse, I don't want to, you know, be wild or anything, but I believe the young man is Puerto Rican, of Puerto Rican descent, right? And and he uh, he went to Georgia Tech, you know, two-way dude, played for the Birmingham Squadron, got his G League look, and of course is a rookie, so he's on a two-way contract. Guys like that make you take your cool off and make you meet them at their moment. And he was controlling too many things tonight especially when Devin, Devontae Graham was out, um, C.J. McCollum, when he got a blow, Jose Alvarado had 13 points and six assists tonight. Like, that's, that's impacting the game. The same things that we, we talk about with Io DeSumo when he has a stout line like that, that's what Jose Alvarado did. He came in there and impacted the game. He took his cool off because he knows what this means to the New Orleans Pelicans. They're they, they trying to get into that playing situation. Mexican and Puerto Rican. Mexican and Puerto Rican. Oh, shout out to my man. Um, Him and um, the guy on the, um, the Warriors. Herman Gomez. Oh, Juan no, Toscano. No, not him. It's no, Toscano. Juan Toscano. Yeah, well, shout out to Juan Toscano. Right shout, shout out to all my Latino brothers out there playing in, in the NBA. You yeah, know what I mean? There I remember back in the day, it was, you know, yeah, Carl Herrera and a couple other dudes. And other than that, you know, but Nothing. now, game is global, right? Mm-hmm. Game is Love global. It. Love it. And, and uh, uh, Mexican and Puerto Rican, man, that, that might be the hardest working dude of all time right there. You know, and yep. shout out to shout out to stereotypes, by the way. I, I love them. I love them. Even when they benefit me, I love them. So I don't want to get canceled or in trouble for that. So please don't come after me. If, if you are either of Mexican or Puerto Rican descent, I've had good times with all y'all. I, I apologize if me saying that you know, he's the hardest working player in the NBA came off the wrong way. But damn it, he was tonight. He went out there and worked his ass off. Two-way dude. I, like, like, I don't know how... I can frame it differently. Uh, and I know, you know, those guys are out there trying their hardest, but you got to get more than, what, 16 out of Vooch tonight? Like, Nikola Vucevic is in a position where if this thing don't go right, it's going to be all eyes on him, rightfully or wrongfully so. DeMar DeRozan's out. You got to have a big game. I believe he had 13, 14 points in the first half. And then there was long stretches in the third quarter where Tristan Thompson was out there with Patrick Williams next to him in the front court, and that's when the Bulls were making some of their run. But if you have to constantly reemphasize defense and reemphasize post touches and reemphasize this and reemphasize that, and my God, I mean, the fouling, the foul disparity tonight 
The Bulls, you want to know a team that's having trouble defending? A team that's fouling as much as the Bulls are fouling right now. And these are all things that Billy Donovan is saying. These are all things that Zach Levine is saying. So when when DeMar DeRozan goes down with a strained groin, you already know the mission. One of your better players and one of your, I should say, more average defenders is out of the lineup. So the game may not be as, as high-octane as, as you might have planned previously. But guess what? You're still messing around with 60-point halves, right? Was it 63 to 62? New Orleans is, is a, a, a good young team. Don't get me wrong. But that's the team that the Bulls should beat. And it's not just off of talent. It's not just off of heart hustle and muscle and all the other cliches you might want to use out there. They're a better team. Right? Willie Green is a young coach. I, I think Willie Green is going to be damn good, to be honest with you. But they didn't do anything tonight besides get to a few more loose balls. Um, you know, stem the tide when the Bulls were shooting crazily in the first half. The Bulls had... 23 points from Zach Levine in the first half. They went 10 for 18 from the three-point arc in the first half, and they were down one. If I'm in the New Orleans Pelicans locker room, I'm like, oh, we got him right where we want him. That dude just played the half of his life. He can go get 50 tonight, and we can win this game. And what happened? Adjusted some things defensively. Kobe White took the onus in the offense, on the offensive end in the third quarter, and shout out to Kobe. He had himself a fine game, but... Zach Levine tonight, 39 points, three assists, three rebounds, five turnovers. Like, these are the stat lines we saw the previous two years, right? Where it's like, ah, if he can just get people around him, you know, this, this guy's a winning player, this, that, and the other. Tonight, the floor game that we saw a couple of games ago uh, against the Toronto Raptors, it was the inverse of that. I believe he had six assists and no turnovers against the Toronto Raptors with 26, 27 points, something like that. Tonight, he turned the ball over. There were a couple of times. This is why also, this is another reason why, you know, Ayo Desumu is quickly becoming not just one of my favorite Bulls, but one of my favorite basketball players in the league. Ayo, there was a moment where Zach Levine was um, in deep discussion with the referees about a missed foul call, got beat on a defensive play, and Ayo Desumu had to snap him back into it. Like, hey, man, we still got a game going on here. That's a rookie. That's a dude who was just playing in the NCAA tournament last year, right? And it's no shade to Zach. It's just, there are too many moments where this team has either a lapse or a breakdown or there's a moment where their toughness is challenged by another team. And it's just like we too far in the season to have to have these reminders. You shouldn't be reminded about playing defense on every possession. You shouldn't be. There's, there's a, a, a sequence tonight where I believe Kobe White hit a three pointer or it was a drive to the hoop. And. On a made basket, the Pelicans get a run out and beat everybody down the floor and get a layup. Like, this is the third quarter this is happening. This is game 71, 72. There's no more taking it back to the lab. This is what you got. And speaking of what you got, Patrick Williams got to be in the starting lineup going forward. You know, Javante Green has done a nice enough job. Derek Jones Jr. has done a nice enough job. But it, it, at this point, it's not just to find out what you're going to look like in the playoffs. It's to get to the playoffs. Patrick Williams' defense is uh, far superior to that of Javante Green. There's no shade to Javante. Javante's out there playing his ass off. But one guy is six foot five, 210 pounds, 215 pounds, whatever the case may be, playing power forward uh, in a pinch, which has been a 71-game pinch, 72-game pinch. The other guy is the fourth pick in the draft, six foot nine, 230 pounds that you drafted for this time and this position in this instance. I understand he's just coming off a, a broken wrist, 
and he got to get his minutes up. But guess what? He's 20 years old. <laughs> you know, throw him out there and figure that thing out. Because it's all hands on deck right now if you're a Bulls fan. If you're in the Bulls organization, if you're a Bulls player, this thing is slipping away. The Bulls have lost 10 of their last 13 games. Lost five of the last six. Last pod, we looked at what the last 10 games looked like for their other Eastern Conference playoff participants right now, one through six. They don't look like the Bulls. Everybody's ramping up. Everybody's gearing up. Guys getting into fights on benches with their old teammates. You know, like things are getting a little, you know, a little spicy right now. This is the wrong time to be hanging your head. This is the wrong time to be pouting. This is the wrong time to be losing your cool, getting technicals, kicked out of games, all this other stuff. I appreciate some of the fight that is shown by guys, but show that fight in the first quarter. Show that fight throughout the the, the 48 minutes that you are allotted. 28-point blowout to the Milwaukee Bucks can't be followed up by a 17-point loss to a team that's trying to make the play-in tournament in the New Orleans Pelicans in the Western Conference. It just can't. And if I'm Billy Donovan or Mark Eversley or Arturis Karnaschovas, like, you're finding some things out. Because it can't be Lonzo and Alex to the rescue because Lonzo may not be back this regular season. You know, Alex Caruso has shown you that he is really, really good in spurts, just like any role player. But if you give him elevated minutes or you give him... um, you know, you give him increased exposure, some of those warts in his game will be identified. Teams ain't running out the closing out uh, on Alex Caruso if he hadn't made one or two in a row. It's a lot of teams going under them screens. A lot of teams that, you know, swing, swing, all right, last pass to Alex Caruso in the corner. That happened a couple of times tonight, and they were misses. So if Io DeSumo is going to be on the bench and be the lead guard off the bench next to Kobe, Kobe's in and out of the starting lineup. Patrick Williams is a guy who maybe should be in the starting lineup but just got back two, three games ago. Like, there's there's a lot of variables, a lot of stuff in the air. And right now is the time that you should be nailing down what you are as a team. And Kendall Gill mentioned it on the postgame show tonight about this team uh, essentially trying to find its identity. Because all the while we've been talking about all this defensive stuff, their offensive rating has slipped as well. They were a top five team for most of the season. They're now, you know, delving into that upper third region where they're that 10, 11 offensive net rating. And it's not bad per se, but the slide is noticeable. So while the defense is still patchwork, you're messing around getting defended differently and your offense is suffering. I mean, let's just take a look at what's happened throughout this season. You had DeMar DeRozan play out of his mind for 65 games, 70 games. And now the groin strain. And also, coming out of the All-Star break, teams took it, quote, back to the lab on the Bulls. The way that they have defended DeMar DeRozan at the top of the key is different. It's just noticeably different. Teams are running essentially a 1-3-1 or or a 2-3 zone and just putting people at the nail and saying, hey, if this dude pump fakes us to death and you don't go for it and he knocks down shots, tip your cap. That's DeMar DeRozan playing over better defense. But when it doesn't happen, and DeMar DeRozan goes from the 27-point-per-game guy to the 22- or 23-point-per-game guy, his, his, his field goal percentage has dipped noticeably. He hasn't gotten to the free-throw line the way he was getting to the free-throw line before the All-Star break. Like, these things, it's not by happenstance. These are teams that are gearing up to be in the playoffs. The, the Bulls had the second-toughest schedule. Second-toughest schedule in terms of opponents' record in the NBA coming out of the All-Star break. They knew that. 
They knew the All-Star break was finishing. They knew what they was getting ready to run into. This is no surprise. And they just haven't been up to the task. They haven't been up to the challenge. Yeah, I know Lonzo Ball has been out. I know DeMar DeRozan didn't play tonight, right? I know Zach is still dealing with his knee. But these storylines are running um, simultaneously in every NBA city right now. There are guys that are out. (laughs) There are guys who are hurt that are playing. There are guys who are being worked back into rotations all up and down the Eastern Conference right now. So there's no excuse for the Bulls. And they're not giving any excuses, but they're just taking a lot of L's. You bank those nine games early on in the season, that nine-game winning streak. He's talking about people, you know, not giving the Bulls the respect and credit due and talking too much about the Lakers and all this other stuff. Well, all right, fast forward. Proof is in the pudding. And I'm not, you know, giving up on this team, but it's just, it's very evident the separation and the distinction between the championship-level teams right now and the Chicago Bulls. Defensively, they've been porous since the All-Star break. And offensively, they've been kind of figured out. And everything is tough. Everything seemingly is tough, which is why Nikola Vucevic and, and I have, you know, Kendall and I uh, disagree at times in terms of stylistically how basketball should be played and is played in the NBA right now. And Kendall isn't a big fan. Shout out to my guy, Kendall Gill. But he isn't a big fan of big men, especially big men like Vooch, shooting three-point shots, right? Kendall has allowed him two or three a game, he says. And sometimes Vooch, He's going to hit you four or five. Sometimes he's going to take eight or nine and only hit two. But that's part of his game. And it's part of his game because you've got a team where you got two isolation scorers who need to get busy, and they need that lane. They need driving lanes. Sometimes they need that post area. And having a seven-footer out on the perimeter is part of that open lane, part of that spacing, part of the formulas of success. But now... But now, once the, the NBA has made its counterpunch or, you know, adjusted to the Bulls' offense, you got to throw that big dude back in the paint. You got to throw him back in the paint. And then on top of it, if you don't want to get in the paint, you got to make sure Billy Donovan is saying it. And then you got to also make sure that the ball handlers, and this is the other thing too, you know, when DeMar DeRozan comes back, and I hope he'll be back for the Cleveland game, but when DeMar DeRozan comes back, you know, this thing looked a lot different when the there was a mixing up of the lead ball handling duties, right? Like Lonzo Ball, obviously, this team not having Lonzo Ball, you could just see it top to bottom how it's affected the squad defensively and also pushing the ball ahead. And also, you know, a defense, and I was—I used to watch the Mike Brown-led uh, Cleveland Cavaliers back in the day when LeBron James first got there. And, and for years, I would say to myself, why the hell does Mike Brown have this man running angled or, you know, uh, wing pick and rolls all the time or just bringing him the ball up all the time? You know what? LeBron James, as great as he is, won championships once he was playing with Dwayne Wade, guys like Mario Chalmers, right, Kyrie Irving. Uh, guys like that in the with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You can be the greatest ball player of all time, but if you're bringing up the ball either out of the net or, you know, off of a rebound every single time, the defense is looking at you, and all five sets of eyes are, are focused on their target, focused on the most important guy in the offense. There was a time there when Ayo DeSumo had it rolling there uh, shortly before the All-Star break where – the lead guards on the Bulls, whether it be Alex Caruso, I had Sumo and Lonzo Ball before he got hurt, you know, there would be a mixing up of how many times DeMar DeRozan or how many times Zach Levine were bringing up the ball when it was time for them to go get it. 
But when you got those guys off the ball and moving around behind the defense or through the, the perimeter unencumbered because, you know, you can't touch and hold and grab or there's supposed to be an emphasis on not being able to touch, hold and grab when guys are moving through the paint or just moving off the ball. It, it makes it a little bit easier. And it also gives the defense a different look, right? Being, being aware and being cognizant of, okay, that's 27-point-per-game DeMar DeRozan over there in the corner. Okay, on his weak side cut, Zach Levine is, is bailing through here, and we all know what kind of slasher he is. He's trying to get to the rim. As opposed to you taking the ball out of the net and either one of those two guys having the ball immediately and the defense being focused on you because you're at the top of the scouting report as is. So now I don't have to find you if I'm a big. I don't have to find you if I'm a weak side defender. You got the ball in your hands the whole time. So I, I don't know if that, and listen, I know it's, it's you know, armchair quarterback in here. I know it's, it's, it's post-game coaching here. It's just this Bulls team is too talented to be performing like this. We, we've patted them on the back all season long, and rightfully so, but they, they've come too far to crumble, essentially, in this way. And I just can't continue to just put it on injuries. It's not just injuries. These other teams are hurt as well. Guys who are your money players have to play like your money players. We got on Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Marketing, and then they got shipped out of here. There's no reason that you can't do that the same way to the, to the principal characters in this situation. Zach Levine playing his ass off, trying to play hurt, right? But there are moments where it, it, the contact didn't get called. You got to keep playing through it. Can't have, can't have guys having uneven breaks or odd man breaks because you're still talking to the refs, right? And it doesn't happen a, a ton, but it happens enough. Right, Some of the unforced errors by this team, the fouling by this team right now, playing defense with your hands instead of your body and your eyes and communication skills. like Just fundamental stuff. And, and look no further than Billy Donovan to, to lead you right to where the issues are. This team's got to get a win here, man. Whether it be against Cleveland, the Knicks, the Wizards, whoever, or the stretch of games that they got at home before April 10th, that date against the Minnesota Timberwolves, they go on the road for the last time of the regular season. This team's got to get a win. They got they, they to they buckle down here. The, the defense has to be figured out. They, they blitz the pick and roll a little bit more tonight than, than we've seen them over the last couple of nights. But guess what? Tristan Thompson played a, a lot of minutes in that third quarter. And if Tristan Thompson is out there, you're giving up something offensively for that defensive substitution. So it's the chess game right now that Billy Donovan, Zach Levine, and all those dudes have to be on the same page about. And while they're trying to get on the same page with this chess game, these other teams are out here hungry and trying to get somewhere, right? Like the, 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 the Knicks and the Wizards will be the teams that you play that are, really ain't got no skin in the game right now. And if you lose to them, well, hey, ain't, ain't no more excuses to be made. But after that, you get another run of teams. And Jesse, you look up that schedule for me real quick. After, you know, the next nine games, after Cleveland, you get the Knicks, you get the Wizards, but then you get a run of teams that are all in playoff contention, some in championship contention. I mean, thank God you won the game against the Toronto Raptors, right? Because that's the tiebreaker with them. You don't want to be in a tiebreaker with the playing game dudes, but hey, you got to get every win you possibly can. So after this game against the Cleveland Cavaliers with no Jared Allen still, and, and Lowry Marketing and Kevin Love and Evan Mobley in that front court, that starting lineup. Darius Garland still still working 
uh, wonders, but it, it's not easy. It's not easy. After that Wizards game, you got to you gotta stretch with some pretty tough teams. All right, so after that Wizards game, it's the Clippers, the Heat, the Bucks, back-to-back, Bucks and Boston, back-to-back, uh, the Hornets, and the Timberwolves to end the season. Yeah, man. You got some dudes on that schedule. So, and and the, the last thing you want to do or the last place you want to be is the team hoping that, that players are getting rested down the stretch on these other squads so that you can stay in that fourth or fifth position. That's the last thing you want. Got asked the other day on local radio here in Chicago uh, what would be a disappointment. This season, on the whole, might be a success. but. The way this thing is going right now, if it trends in this manner and the Bulls are in the playing game or something like that, that would be disappointing. I don't think anybody could say it wouldn't be disappointing to see this team who was first in the East two and a half weeks ago be in the playing game less than a month later. It would still be a success, but the disappointment could come with it. You know, hindsight, you know, all right, they, they, they landed right where we thought they would land at five or six, but you got new information throughout the season that made you think differently, made you think otherwise. So maybe DeMar DeRozan's injury and him coming back to earth a little bit, Zach Levine's knee and, and, and him going through that, Nikola Vucevic fighting himself seemingly in terms of his um, game-to-game and consistency. These are all things that, that, the money players are going to have a, a, a big saying. Look nowhere else. Derek Jones Jr., Ayo DeSumo, uh, you know, Javante Green, uh, Pat Williams, all these other guys. This season down the stretch here is going to be on those three players. And I don't think they would have it anywhere else. Because when it's, when it's nut-cutting time, you got to look at your money. How is your money performing? And in tonight's game, your money wasn't on the floor. Your money was on the floor with Zach Levine, and he he was a one-man band out there with Kobe White bringing up the rear. And then your money also with Nikola Vucevic did not have the kind of productivity and matching Jonas Valanciunas' energy the way you thought he should or could. This team's got to get it together. This team's got to get it together because the NBA right now is looking like they were right. J.J. Redick and all these people who said this is the fourth, the fifth, the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference, you got nowhere to look but yourselves. If you're, if you're making his prognostication come through, it's on you as a team. This re-emphasis of what needs to happen or what needs to get done. Like Zach Levine said, after a while, it's all talk. Time for some commercials. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. That kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Okay, so it's a tie now between Bears fans and Sox fans on who is having the more underwhelming offseason. Because <laughs> Sox fans are already mad at Rick Hahn about not filling the right field position the way they think he should and what's going on with second base and get another starter in here. But Ryan Poles, Ryan Poles, after the Larry Ogunjobi uh, failed physical and that big splash, that big ticket item not being a part of the Bears' future going forward, if you've noticed, Ryan Poles is betting on a lot of restricted free agents, a lot of, a lot of second and third tier guys. You know, he's, 
You don't know what the pie filling is yet, but he's trying to put together some kind of crust right now with the 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 Brian Pink Pringles of the world, and uh, you know you, what you got Ryan Bates, uh, offensive guard for the Buffalo Bills, who started the, both their playoff games this year. A guy who took over for the injured starter and never relinquished the job. But you also got to ask yourself. Why are the Buffalo Bills, who are getting ready to make a Super Bowl run with Josh Allen for the foreseeable future, allowing a guy who did a respectable, a serviceable job at guard go, right? So those are the questions you're asking yourself. But if you if you take a look at the profile, what, the Doja kid, uh, uh, of course, uh, from the Minnesota Vikings, and and then you, you get the – I do like, by the way, I do like the Patrick signing, the Lucas Patrick signing, uh, the, the center. Uh, that they signed from the Green Bay Packers because if you and I think he's a, I think he was a former Green Bay Packer actually let me make sure I look at my notes right now to, so I'm not speaking out of turn next thing you know people are like screaming at me like oh this is why this is why I can do my job better than you can because he's not a Green Bay Packer yeah yeah Lucas Patrick was a Green Bay Packer yeah so there yeah eat it all right yeah, make second guessing myself and Lucas I do like the Lucas Patrick signing at center. Um, Sam Mustafer did uh, a serviceable job, you know, just like uh, Ryan Bates did for the Buffalo Bills. But if you look at some of the pass block win rate numbers, uh, Lucas Patrick is very, very high up there in terms of centers. Uh, and and uh, looking at some of those numbers as well, from last year, the Bears offensive line wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Uh, it was upper half, if I'm not mistaken, in some of the numbers that I saw in, in pass block win rate and, and, and rush down win rate uh, as an offensive line unit. So uh, Justin Fields not going to have a lot of weapons, right, because Allen Robinson is gone. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, a guy who people thought may uh, get the tires kicked on him by the Chicago Bears since uh, Ryan Poles was around him in Kansas City. Uh, now he's going to Kansas City. So Three years, $30 million for a guy like that. You know, you ask yourself, are they going to go through the draft to get a wide receiver? What's still left out there? What, what tools, what weapons are going to be put around Justin Fields so it doesn't look like last year? You know, it, it, Darnell Mooney ain't enough. Even though Darnell Mooney's a good player, you, you got to find something out here. You know, Cole Komet, uh, Cole Komet has shown you flashes, but not enough sustained productivity for you to think tight end position is locked down for the next eight, nine years like it was supposed to be when you drafted in the second round out of Notre Dame a couple of years ago. If I am looking at the Miami Dolphins situation and I'm Justin Fields, I'm like, that's how you're supposed to be going at it. Tyreek Hill, all of a sudden, is a Miami Dolphin. They, they've bolstered the, the offensive line, right? Like, you, you're supposed to try to accentuate the positives of your quarterback especially a young quarterback, so you know what you got. You, you're trying to win in this little window where you're paying him the least amount of money before you find out that the pick was uh, exactly what you thought it was and have to pay him all the money and strip away the team, team around him. Like, that's the natural cycle when you draft a quarterback. So I, I know Bears fans are kind of twiddling their thumbs trying to figure out, all right, what's happening here? If you've got no Larry Ogunjobi, where did that money go? And it seems like he's spreading it across the team like what they got 54 55 players uh under contract right now i mean you need good 75 80 to go to training camp and roster cuts and just have bodies for a full training camp so they got some work to do they got a lot of work to do and and it seems like maybe just maybe the money is drying up around the nfl so there'll be 
in prime position for some of these second and third tier free agents. But a guy like Quan Muhammad, who we actually interviewed at the Super Bowl for uh, our Radio Row Week, you know, Quan Muhammad, if you look at it, one of the better edge rush defenders in the game last year. You know, him him holding down the fort. Like Cam Jordan, another guy that we talked to at Super Bowl week, I believe was number one at uh, edge defender rundown uh, win rate. And I believe Quan Muhammad, from the numbers that I was looking at today, was like fourth or fifth in terms of percentages of snaps won. So you got yourself a guy who's going to try to shut down the run or help you shut down the run, which, you know, I think was one of those glaring holes that didn't get talked a, a, about enough with the Bears defense last year. You know, we talked a lot about how it was aging and how guys weren't making plays in the secondary, but the Bears didn't stop the run as well as they needed to last year as a defense. So now that this thing is being reimagined and Matt Eberflus is, is not the defensive coordinator, but the head coach, but the defense will be molded in his idea. He's bringing in the guys who have played his defense. And, and I asked Kwame, that's why Kwame Muhammad was on our list when we got down to radio row, because we wanted to get the lowdown. And that's why I asked him, was he coming to Chicago? And that's why he played Corey acting like he wasn't coming to Chicago, but two years, $8 million for a guy who was going to be in a rotation with Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson. Like they're trying to put together that front seven and the reimagined front seven that they know they can get uh, pressure with Robert Quinn for another year or two. Travis Gibson was coming along nicely in, in some of the you know spot snaps that he got. And then down the stretch after Khalil Mack got hurt, took over and played really, really well. And now you've got a guy in Quan Muhammad who could play that defensive end slash edge defender role and make sure that you're not getting gashed. Make sure that, you know, that outside shoulder is staying open and all the other jargon that you want to throw out there when it comes to run defenders. So while the the the, the big names may not be coming through right now to the city of Chicago. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi was there swinging. We talked about it in the last pod. That was going to start the clock on the evaluation. But now, if you really look at it, your the talent evaluation, the you know the the the, the hidden value, the the gems that he's supposed to have expertise in because that's the position he played on the offensive line. We're going to find out the talent evaluation of this guy very soon here because these are people who are going to play on the line. Lucas Patrick is going to play. Ryan Bates is, is slotted as one of your starters. You know, the tackle they sign is supposed to be a swing tackle, but we all know that swing tackles play, right? I mean, you're still trying to figure out what Larry Borum is, Tevin Jenkins. I mean, these guys are going to play. So Ryan Poles is showing you very early, one, I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to go get restricted free agents or guys who are betting on themselves or good players who are fresh off an injury and have something to prove. And two, I'm going to go get that offensive line right. And he said this offensive line needs to be a little bit smaller, a little bit more athletic. You know, James Daniels moves on, right? Like the, the, there's, there's, um, there's obviously a vision that he has for this offense and defense. And one of them is being able to move that pocket, uh, being able to, you know, pass block with the best of them and, and keep. Because if you look at Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes is outstanding, obviously. The dude is, is out here, you know, like the new the new Dan Marino in terms of how he's throwing the football, but he's got one of the best interior three in all the football, in all of football, Joe Tunney and those boys, like they, you know, <laughs> he's not getting touched up the middle. And if you're going to have a quarterback like Justin Fields feel comfortable, he's got to, got to have that pressure stay off of him up the middle. And that reimagined interior three is what Ryan Poles is going to throw out there. This will be our first little glimpse at, okay, does he know what he's doing? 
is the talent evaluator who's got the uh you know the the new way of watching film and also have the the guys that Ryan Pace had working for him so you got to you got to redefine what what language you're speaking in your your scouting department and what you value but you know as, as a rolling rebuild right here is scheduled because that's what this is we're going to find out very early here if the noted expertise or former expertise of being an offensive lineman is going to kick in with some of these uh, these free agent signings, and especially with this second wave of free agency, we'll find out if the plan that he has adhered to of not signing the big names, because not only did Miami go out and get Tyreek Hill, they went out and get Teron Armstead. I mean, I don't know a bigger free agent talent than him. Like you talk about a left tackle who is an all-pro type of player now getting ready to protect you know the the franchise quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa. You give him unmatched speed on the outside and Jalen Waddell and of course Tyreek Hill. Now you're cooking with gas. I want to see what this team is going to give Justin Fields to sink or swim. Trying to fortify that line. Now who's he going to throw to? You've been outside of Chicago. Outside Chicago. Outside. 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 Where we at? We haven't done an outside the shy in a long time, and it's not because we don't care about anything outside the shy. It's just because we've had pressing news inside the city and around the city's teams. But uh, I mentioned Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins, and that is on the heels of Deshaun Watson being traded to the Cleveland Browns and signing a fully guaranteed 200 and some odd million dollar contract. And I was just thinking about it. And after everything that's been said about what the NFL truly um, values when it comes to audience, when it comes to their ideals, when it comes to some of the things that they stand on and stand behind. It's got to be a tough time right now if you are a woman. I mean, it, sh- it shouldn't just be because you're a woman either, by the way. But it's got to be a tough time right now to be a woman and be a fan of the NFL after seeing what has been valued and what has been celebrated. You had a guy who sat out for a year and I'm saying sat out because he could have played for the Houston Texans, but there was too much heat on him. There was 22 alleged accusers. And now I believe there's an indictment or a grand jury trying to figure out another account. And if I'm not mistaken in the state of Texas, uh, when it comes to Sean Watson. So, this is something that is not only not done, but is increasingly nasty on all levels. And how was he, I won't say punished, because everybody deserves a chance to earn or a second chance to earn. But it don't have to be with you. It doesn't have to be with you, Cleveland, or it doesn't have to be with you, Houston. Any organization that took on, and let's face it, the NFL cares about talent and being able to win games. The NFL is assured that the people who are making noise about anything that is happening player misconduct-wise will be drowned out by NFLness, by people loving football, by just get over it, you know? And, And I'm all for guys changing their ways, right? Getting some counseling, getting some therapy, being contrite, um, you know, being resolute in how they're going to change. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk out there, but people actually putting the work in to notice where they did wrong, how many lives they may have affected along the way. You can't ever take the incidents back, but hopefully you've learned from it and try to become a better person going forward. 
Now, I'm not here to preach to anybody about what they've done in their life, but I'm also here to talk about optics. And the optics for this thing, I mean, Tyreek Hill, we, we know about his issues over the, over the years. And he hasn't had any um, issues, shall we say, in the last year or so. But to, to see guys who have been in the news for certain things, and especially as of late, like Deshaun Watson, like, for instance, the, the power of football, it just sometimes it, it, it bothers me because I'll never forget. I, I met Deshaun Watson when I moved to Atlanta, when he was brought to uh, our studios at 92.9 The Game as the high school player of the year. Now, he's from Gainesville, Georgia. Right. And I didn't know a lot about the kid. I just knew he was a great high school football player. And they brought him up to the station. They brought him up to the studio. And it wasn't terribly, um, you know, he was unassuming. Right. Like he was, you know, you see football players, you know, okay, that guy's a football player. Deshaun Watson just looked like a regular, you know, athletically built kid. He wasn't, didn't have all the swagger in the world, like the, the mild mannered, understated nature that you saw before all of these. Uh, accusations and, and, and this masseuse nonsense that has been going on uh, in his life over the last year or so that has been brought to light. This is way before that. So he wasn't he wasn't a guy that was like, he didn't ca- like capture the room, right? He was a kid. He was still being a kid. And that's what I noticed. And while I'm noticing him being a kid, being a 17, 18-year-old kid, being fawned over by adults because I was in the state of Georgia and you know how high school football is down there. You know how college football is down there. There was a cameraman or uh, I would say videographer, um, uh, 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 like a tech dude who worked for the station. And he was a huge Clemson Tigers fan. And when Deshaun Watson is walking through the studio, this dude looks at me and says, you don't know who that is? He's going to bring my team a Heisman Trophy and a national championship. And I'm like, bro, he's 17. Like, I shook his hand and said hello to him. There should be no more necessary than that, right? Like, I'm not about to ride the jock of a, a 17, 18-year-old kid because he's great at football. I'm going to treat him like a, like a young adult. And this dude, oh, well, that's the, you know, this is the South and college football. And in that moment, I was like, man, this is what it is. This is, this is why guys are allowed to do whatever they want to do on or off the field because of the power of football. Because for every person who's watching the Cleveland Browns saying, you know what, this feels kind of icky this year, right? No matter how long the suspension lasts, you know, it feels kind of icky that <laughs> that they told Baker Mayfield, we'd rather have an adult at the position, and then they go out and get Deshaun Watson. This feels kind of icky, but it's always felt that way. I mean, how many instances do we have to pull up where uh, the NFL shows you exactly what's important. So when Colin Kaepernick is kneeling or when Marshawn Lynch doesn't want to talk to the media during the Super Bowl run or when anything else happens that, that inspires all the outrage and brings out all the, the, the wild-out, Oakley-wearing, you know, American flag draped over a pit bull on a flying eagle avatar having NFL fans, when all that happens, I just sit back and I'm like, man, Football has a hold on everyone. And I understand why it does, but not to the extent that that it does all the time. 
And to have today be one of those days where you've got Tyreek Hill signing a $140 million contract. And then Deshaun Watson's got new allegations that have come out about him. The NFL is going to keep on rolling along. And, and if I am a, 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 a female fan, a, a woman fan of the NFL, I don't know how I, um, I don't know how I mitigate it, to be honest with you. Because as a black man, I know anytime there's something that happens in the NFL, whether it be the coaching hiring uh, routes or lack thereof when it comes to minority hiring, uh, when it comes to the Colin Kaepernick stuff, when it comes to anybody having a say about something that affects people who look like me, I stand up and say, man, this is crazy. This is wild. I tweet about it. I talk about it. But it seems like on days like this, when these things are thrown out there because it's huge news that Tyreek Hill is going to the Miami Dolphins. It's huge news that Deshaun Watson is now a Cleveland Brown and, and got a $230 million, uh, you know, $230 million contract. I sit back and think to myself, man, all those times where I'm talking about the, the, the coaching hiring issues or the fact that the Colin Kaepernick thing is still a stain on the sport and uh, on us in terms of a time in America when, you know, people saying, hey, man, you know, police reform is necessary and stop shooting us. That was that was controversial. We fast forward to this time right now and you've got people who are out here running afoul of not only the law, but of civil discourse when it comes to how you interact and engage with women. and not a peep. Not a peep. So if you're a lady out there watching the NFL this year and you cringe or you feel kind of funny, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Because the NFL is going to go right ahead feeling the way it feels about the players who run afoul or get out of, uh, get out of line when it comes to interacting or engaging with ladies. So go right ahead. You can feel how you're supposed to feel because it's not a good look right now. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. It's the full goal, baby! You know, Jesse, I try to, uh, try to fly straight, try to keep my nose clean, stay out of other people's business. You know, try to get through the day as, as peacefully as possible. So today I, I I took it upon myself to do a little self-care, a little, little maintenance, right? Treat yourself. Yeah, treat myself, right? And I know what it feels like now uh to run on run into somebody that you've cheated on. Because today, as I was rolling around, you know, like, yeah, I should stop into the nail salon, right? Stop into the nail salon and, you know. Get my get get my get my fingernails done. You know, I I I cut, I've been eating my fingernails. I've been biting my fingernails since I was a child, right? And then this last you know year or so, I had to come to an end. Right? It's time to grow up out here, Jay. You know, your nerves ain't that bad. I still you, I still I still chew on mine all day. Oh yeah, but it was bad <laughs> with me. Like it was real bad. Like my my hands look like a five year old's for, for the majority <laughs> of my adulthood, right? And you know, stress and nerves and all the other things that come with that life. But man. I'm like, all right, I pull up to the spot that I got my nails done the last time I got my nails done. And I pull up and I walk in and I'm like, oh, there's only one person in here. Now, mind you, 
I got my nails done by a, a nice lady named Oksana the last time I got I went to this specific place. It's in Old Town for all the people here in Chicago listening. So I go into the place. Last time I, I was there, I visited with Oksana. She did a great job. Got a manicure, got a pedicure, Jesse. And she gave me her card. She set up another appointment. I didn't make it to that next appointment. Um, I went out <laughs> hanging out with the fellas. And, and that was that. Right? <laughs> and I'm usually good about calling and saying, hey, I'm not going to make the appointment, whatever the case may be. But, you know, the day kind of took hold of me. I'm running around out here in these streets, having a good time with my friends. I'm like, you know, I'll double back on Oksana. She, you know, she understands. So I pull up to the place today. And I walk in expecting to see Oksana. And it wasn't Oksana. It was uh, a, a, a delightful lady named Tina. So I'm like, all right. Tina's the only one in here working. Shouldn't be no issues. The moment I sit down with Tina, Oksana walks out of the bathroom. And in that moment, Jesse, I was like, oh, my God. The person that I was supposed to call back and tell that I wasn't coming to the nail appointment just walked out and she looked at me and I looked at her and I'm giving my money now to somebody who she's working next to. <laughs> and I swear to God, it was as if I'd been in a 10 year relationship with this woman because I'm sitting there not wanting to make eye contact with her. How while, dare you, Jason? Oh Hall. my God. While still, <laughs> while still like trying to be you know, civil and, 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 and courteous and, you know, conversational with Tina. She's asking me what I do. And I'm, I'm just looking at Oksana like she could tell you because she went through this whole spiel last time. And then what makes it worse is Oksana acts like she doesn't recognize me, even though I know she's like just laser beams through the eyeballs, right? Just every time I look over there, she's looking at me like, oh, you giving somebody else your money, you ain't shit, right? So then Oksana gets up. And she comes over and says, would you like something to drink? Would you like uh, some water, some champagne, some wine? So even worse is being confronted (laughs) by the person that you are cheating on. That's like in the club kind of vibes right there where it's like they come over like, I see you got your little friend. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. And I said, oh, I had some wine. And immediately, Tina was like, your nails look so good. Who did them last time? And I'm oh, like, oh, no, 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 it didn't. I'm sitting there getting tag team, bro. I'm like, they running the oh. game on me right now. I felt awful. And then immediately, I was like, you know, Oksana, I'm so sorry. I missed the appointment last time. I, I feel like I let you down or whatever the case may be. She's like, no, never mind. Everything's all good. I'm just glad you came back. Meanwhile, I know she's like, yeah, can't put that third kid through school because of your black <laughs> ass. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there just, I, I, and and I'm a I'm a warrior as it is, so I'm just sitting there just. The, it was the most uncomfortable. Is the most and, and Tina did a terrific job, but it's the most uncomfortable manicure that I've ever gotten in my life, and I've only gotten you know several. I'm sitting there like, oh my god, just hurry up and finish. Just hurry up and finish. I feel like I've let everybody in the shop down, including you. So you know what I did? I finished up. I tip Tina. I walk past Oksana. I tip her too. Like, hey, man, my bad. You know, <laughs> tell the family I said hello. You know, I hope everything's going with you. You be blessed. You know, like it felt like one of those joints where you see for real, like you saw an ex and it was like, oh, man, <sighs> sorry to let you down the way I did. <laughs> but, you know, I'll be back. <laughs> but yeah, man, today was that day for me. It was um, it was it was a wild day. I got, I got thrown in the mix. 
uh, I felt like I cheated because this happens with barbers, right? But you never do it in the same barbershop. People will just see you with a haircut and be like, oh, that's what you're on now, huh? You going somewhere Or it's else. been like two months. It's like, oh, it's, it's been a while since you've you been good? here. Yeah, you, yeah, your yeah. hair's not that long. Right, right, right. <laughs> like cheating on a barber is, is blasphemous. So I don't even know what cheating on a nail tech feels like. I do know now what it feels like. But man, I, boy, I tell you, all you got to do if you are upset with me and you are of the female persuasion, it won't take long. I, I will buckle at some point. You you got me, you know, and, and that happened today. And something lets me know. I, I have a feeling that Oksana and Tina, as soon as I left, did like the, the high five at the middle of the, <laughs> the middle of the nail salon. <laughs> like, whoo, came through. Both of us got tipped. Boy, is he a fool. You know what I mean? But that's what I get from missing, uh, that's what I get from missing appointments and not uh, rescheduling. So shout out to you, Oksana. And Tina, you, you, you won't mess up a happy home because when I come back, I'm going straight to Big O. The full goal with Jason Goff. All right, that's all the time we have for the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. This is episode 81. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Looking forward to our next go-round when we sit down with comedian and actor, Chicagoan, Little Rail Howery. Looking forward to that conversation. And of course, as always, our production staff, our crew, the fellas, the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti. He's not here, but we love him. And also Chris Tannehill. My guy, he's not here, but he's hanging out in Vegas. So enjoy yourself, Chris. Go ahead and put $100 on black and just let it ride one good time, man. I always feel good about that. Make that be your last bet while you're out there too, Chris, because I don't want you to feel bad, you know, and go back and try to chase it just because of me. And of course, the always active Jesse Lopez. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Thanking you for hanging out with us. Thanking you for listening to. Thanking you for downloading, subscribing to, sharing, rating, reviewing, doing everything that you do with this pod. We truly appreciate you. This has been the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Peace.